Mind Your Mind is the name of my next guest's new book. Amanda Peet is the founder of Mind Your Mind Techniques and has been a holistic practitioner for many years, but her first love is working with words. She practices EFT and founded the Emotional Dowsing Technique and was co-founder of Hoarding Disorders UK. Through her own life experiences, Amanda has learned the techniques to declutter your mind and also to readjust your core beliefs to make them positive rather than negative. So let's find out more. Amanda, hi. Welcome to Tea Time with me, Ali Monjack. How are you today? I'm good, thanks, Ali. Yeah, great. Nice to see you. Yeah, it's lovely to see you as always. So you've been really quite busy, haven't you, with you've just not long ago released a book. I have, yes. Well, last year in our lockdown, when everything was changing and a moving, um, I couldn't. I had my daughter at home, so I can't can't do my one-to-ones and I couldn't do my practitioner training because the words that I'm using are words that a six-year-old shouldn't be listening to so um that she'd grown up for them so I um yeah I sat down and I it's a book that I've been thinking about writing for about three years um and it sort of all came together there was like the final piece of the jigsaw came as like right I'm ready to put it down now and I gave myself a goal of three months and I wrote it in a blocked time blocked and wrote it in three months yeah it, this is the the copy with my uh, tags in because I've never ever been doing like a book club talk or something it's like it's like all my the bits I want to remember to read out so mind your mind using the power of words yeah so I mean you know you we know that you've been doing EFT haven't you for years and so what brought you on to this because mind your mind I have had a look at the book as I said I haven't had a chance to read it all yet so um, but I, I totally get what it's about. I mean, it's a very clever way of, you know, basically moving yourself on from stuff, isn't it, with words? Yeah, well, the EFT, I, I, try, I qualified as an EFT practitioner about 10 years ago. And I mean, we've had lots of chats about it. I absolutely love EFT. It's an amazing tool. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. And it uses, you know, you're doing the tapping. But what I found when I was talking to some people um, is that the tapping put them off. Um, they found that too weird. It was like, well, I, I don't understand. Um, and also um, with EFT, a lot of the time you have to know what the issues are. So you have to know what a life event has happened in order to be able to move that person forward. So over time, I sort of developed, I was doing a lot of work with EFT um, around core beliefs. So there's a there's a technique within EFT around core beliefs that you can, you can use. Um, but what I was finding is that it was, I don't know how it evolved really, it just sort of evolved. Um, and what was happening is if people were struggling to put into words how they how they felt, it was like with the technique that's in mind your mind, you, you don't have, I don't need to know the story. So they didn't need to tell me any background. They didn't need to tell me, obviously you have your new client forms, but you don't, I didn't need to know what life events had happened to them. And they could keep that private. So the words that we were saying out loud um, they, they not very often, but sometimes can trigger um, flashbacks or memories or other emotions come up, but not very often. So this, this is a different way, rather than consciously having, having to talk about what, you, uh, what you've experienced, and then obviously that brings up a lot of emotion and, and you sort of relive it every time you talk about it. This was a way where um, we could just explore how that person's feeling as a whole, 
um, and and find core beliefs that were stuck. So things like um, I can't trust, I don't deserve, I'm not worthy, I'm useless. And by clearing out the core beliefs, you're connecting with the subconscious part of your brain so that your conscious mind doesn't have to think about it. Our conscious mind tries to do everything. And that runs, I mean, in, in terms of speed, that runs pretty slowly. It's 2000 bits per second. But our subconscious mind runs at 400 billion bits per second. So we're all trying to consciously work things out with this slow bit of kit. And the fast bit of kit is chucking all the information that we need to process it. And my thought was, well, why don't we just bypass the conscious mind and just go straight to the subconscious. That's the hard drive. That's where all these things are stored. That's where 90% of the information comes from when you're actually consciously making a decision anyway. So why don't we just go straight to the subconscious? So words put it there and words can take it away. So with the mind your mind techniques, it's um, it's like if somebody said to you as a child, oh, you're, you know, give me that jigsaw here or you give me that puzzle, you're useless. You can't do it. And it's a throwaway comment. But if at that time that child or you as a child were in a place where you were trying to impress and you were proud of what you were doing, but then somebody just completely undermines you by going, come on, give it here, you're useless. That can stick. So these core beliefs for children don't have to be repeated and repeated. It can just be a throwaway comment. And wherever that child's at at that time and space is, is you know, they might take that on board. So by going into the core beliefs, um, you're sort of yeah you're 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 releasing a lot of um you're releasing all sorts of stuff you get into the root to the root of the issues really yeah i mean where did you learn all of this because you know this is is like really fascinating stuff isn't it yeah well i had um i call it my luxury of time so i am um, well i don't know i don't even know what what year it was i'm i'm not very good with like years and things but i know it was it was before 10 years ago. So I had, I was married at the time and um, we, I ended up we had, with my husband, we um, had a pub. So I was a landlady for a, for a few, a, a short while in my life. And, and I loved it. It was, you know, it was nice. It was a bit like being a therapist though, because everybody over the bar wanted to tell you all of their issues. Um, but we lost everything. We basically lost the lot. So we ended up, we, we were homeless, businessless, um we had the car that we had and and that's all that we had we we had 30 quid which was enough money to get the car full of fuel to get us down to my mum's um and we could basically we had everything taken off as just the lot um and so after that um i did get a job and i did sort of then i went away to singapore for a little bit and when i came back from singapore um i just decided that actually i'm not going to rush into getting another job i'm going to give myself this i called it my luxury of time just to work out i had depression myself which i needed to get get sorted out um and i i just needed to take some time for my own well-being and then i got into the sort of the eft and then i was watching webinars and i was reading all these books and it was all about neuroscience how your brain works and I just wanted to make myself feel better in my head I was so fed up of waking up and just feeling like this it was full just full this head was just full of stuff I had no clarity I couldn't think clearly about anything so that that began I, I literally spent two years reading webinars researching doing all sorts of different courses all around the brain and the mind and getting a really good um you know, foundation of, of how it works. Oh, fantastic. Oh, and then I went on to do my EFT. <laughs> anyway, yeah, to do your EFT. Now, that's fantastic. So <clears throat> you've kind of had this 
information for quite a few years. So what made you finally last year in lockdown think, right, I'm going to write this book? Um, I think once once my daughter had gone back to school, it was like, right, I've got some time and space because she was back at school. And I wasn't sure how long she was going to be back at school before all these bubbles started popping. But I think I think it was just. I don't know, really, it just it just felt like the right um, it felt like the right right time. Um, and um, I'm also a professional dowser. And when I started writing the book, I was going to include dowsing in it because dowsing is you can get a yes signal or a no signal and, and muscle testing is much the same people use muscle testing kinesiologists and things and I was asked to write a book last year about dowsing and um and I read all the chapters and things and some I could connect with and some I was like mm, I'm not sure this is really me so I went back and said I'm, I'm not sure this is this is right for me but what what that exercise did it gave me the opportunity to question whether dowsing was right to go in my book because I use these mind your man techniques with or without dowsing so it doesn't it doesn't matter and when I actually doused on it and and you know asked around I, it was like no it was like it doesn't need to have the dowsing in there and that seemed to be like for me the last piece of the jigsaw because once I've made that decision I already had notes everywhere. I'd already got lots in my head, and I just man it just managed to flow when I was when I was writing it. It was it was just it, it was a really nice process. It wasn't hard work. It was just natural. It was like right, all this stuff that I've I've collected over the years is finally getting getting put down on paper. So yeah, and it, nice you know, process. It, it really is about you know actually sort of decluttering your life, isn't it, with all of this. Because I think, you know, as people, we're human beings, every sort of emotional experience we've had, it, we kind of carry it around, don't we? Yeah, well, emotions are sort of designed to, hide, to sort of come in and be your like awareness system or your alert system and say, right, you're really happy about this or this has made you feel sad. So they come in and they're supposed to come and go, but quite a lot do get stuck. So, you know, if people were... The po it's always the negative ones as well. The positive ones seem to be able to come and go quite nicely. Um, but, you know, they, they don't really get stuck. But if you could imagine everybody having that emotion of, like, if you were belly laughing and that excitement and that, you know, when you're having a really good laugh, if that got stuck, can you imagine, like, how mad the world would be? It's like, <laughs> we'd all just be, like, crazy laughing. But that, that happens with the, the positive one. Uh, that doesn't happen with the positive ones, but the, the negative ones do get stuck and they get stored. I mean, you can recall things and you can think, oh yeah, I remember that was really funny, but you're not gonna have that same intensity of emotion when you think about something that was really funny. But when we're thinking about sad things or things that have a negative emotion, they, tend to, they just tend to get stuck. And we don't have to, lots of people that I've spoken to think well I'm going to have to keep hold of some of it because if I let go of all of that emotion I won't I, I will, I'll make mistakes again so if I'm angry at that person I'm going to stay angry just a little bit because if I get rid of it all then you know then I'm, I'm, I'm not going to remember that that was a thing but we we remember the we remember the memories so you're not getting rid of memories you're just getting rid of the intensity of the emotions that are around those memories so that you can think back to things that have happened without feeling that surge of emotion and, and like reliving it all over again. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's quite common, isn't it, for people to do that. It, it's, it's a very difficult situation. So, I mean, is it sort of certain words that you technique or what, what, what do you do? 
Yeah, so the, the, there's words, so in the, in the back of the book, there are, in fact, in the back of the book, there are lists and lists of core beliefs. So for, you know, the core beliefs and there's negative and positive, because some people just like to work on the negative, but some like people like to balance them up and do the positive as well. Um, but so, yeah, you've got that. And then you've got lists and lists of all sorts of core beliefs in there. Um, and then, yeah, at the back, it gives you words. So it gives you words if you're using an emotion and it's, what is it? One, two, three, four, five. It's about six, seven sentences that you need to say. Um, and it's important to say them out loud because if somebody said to you out loud, you are useless, then it's like, well, that's that was words spoken out loud and you've, you've heard it. So what you need to do is say it out loud to yourself to instruct your own subconscious so it's very important to say these things out so if you were to say a core belief and say it in your mind you can con yourself it's not one of yours and go oh no that's not one of mine but when you say them out loud you can feel it's whether it's true false or somewhere in between and that's as technical as you need to get you say the core belief is it true false or somewhere in between how does that feel and if you're not sure just go well okay to be on the safe side i'm not really sure i can't really connect with it i'll, I'll say it's in between because then you, you either know it's really true or you know it's really false. So if, if you're not really connecting, then you just go for the in-between. Um, and then, yeah, you say these seven or eight sentences um, and, and you're asking your subconscious. So one of the lines is, I'm asking my subconscious to release this core belief um, and to change what it needs to change because it's just not working for me anymore. So there's, there's a series of words that you use, which is... Uh, yeah, and, and and I train practitioners in this and we're just having some amazing results. They're having but really do one-to-ones now, but they're they're doing they're having some amazing results with their clients. Um sometimes it's all mind your mind techniques, but a lot of the time they're, they're integrating it with with other techniques that they use as well. So as soon as a core belief comes up or an emotion, that's it. They're they're on it with the mind your mind. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good because, you know, it is about core beliefs, isn't it, in, in everything that we do. And I don't think as people that we realise that, do we? I mean, you know, when we're sort of, you know, operating in whatever field, we don't actually think about where that came from. And I think it, it's good to, to find out where that did come from, really. I mean, you know, we know that we've been through traumatic or non-traumatic experiences you know as I mean you know we've spoken I mean I've had my own traumatic experience when my husband walked out you know things like that but um, I don't think that we kind of really or I didn't really properly at the time think about my core beliefs there if you see what I mean yeah and it's something that you can check into so um I I had a relationship that came to an end and because I knew that something had pinged off and the way that I was feeling it was like oh, I'm you know something doesn't feel quite right here um I need to check in on my core beliefs and I I when I'm training now I use a core belief balance sheet so I went down these 16 statements to see what had come unstuck because you, you can they're fine you just leave them you don't need to do this work every week once you've cleared one it's gone unless a life event happens and it was a relationship and what's really normal it always makes me laugh because it's just normal for a relationship is that you know I don't trust just came up so it was like I knew I, I knew I trusted before but obviously this relationship breakdown and then you come to um, I don't trust and it's just like it's like part of the process of working through it so once you once I've managed to clear those core beliefs again it's um, you can think with a bit more clarity there then because then you can move forward but but things like I don't trust you know that's a massive it's what three words I don't trust 
And there's so much held in that. And it's whether you trust yourself, whether you trust other people. And if you don't trust, then there's obviously a reason for it. Um, that's not to say that if you change this core belief, suddenly you're going to trust your body. You still have your integrity. You still have the wealth of your life experiences and the knowledge that that's brought to you. Um, so you still keep that information and knowledge that's got to you to where you are. It just means that you can, you can trust if you choose to. It's not that you're blocking yourself to, it's like, oh, I can't do that because I, I don't, I, I'm not going to trust them. And we stop ourselves from doing so much with core beliefs. Even just like the small two word core belief of I can or I can't, you know, if you've got a core belief of I can't, that's, you know, that might that that's very broad, but it might be I can't cook, I can't follow a recipe, I can't, you know, I can't, there's just all sorts. So as soon as you hear yourself say I can't and whatever the words come after it, you know, you've got a core belief that needs to, yeah, be decluttered, clear it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I completely see what you're saying. That, that's brilliant. I mean, you know, we've all kind of suffered from mental health issues, haven't we? I think, you know, I mean, you uh, as well, growing up, you had quite a few um, mental health issues, didn't you? And, you know, I think um, as that obviously sort of paved your journey to, to be where you are today, isn't it, really? Definitely. Yeah. And, and sort of going to try and get help and then that help doesn't help. And you just think, well, what is the point? What is the point I'm carrying on? I've asked for help and this help is just not helping. Um, I remember going to a, um, a counsellor and, and I'm not, you know, counselling is good. And, and there's lots of brilliant counsellors out there. Um, and but I went for my experience. I went to a counsellor for six sessions that the doctor had um, suggested I go to. And um, we sat in silence for the whole six sessions it was just like I sat there and he said well you'll talk to me when you're ready to talk it was like if I could put it into words I would but I can't put it into words and it's like this is so frustrating so you know for an hour and a half every week I went and sat and just basically stared at him typing and it was like this is just a waste and then I tried self-help books and but I was blocking myself and now I know I was blocking myself because I'd read the self-help books and then as soon as they get to the bit that says describe how you feel or write three things about and that you know they give you all the exercises to do I'd go oh, no I'm not doing that and then I'd turn the page carry on reading the rest of the book but I wouldn't do the exercises that was like my early early 20s um mm. so yeah I tried lots lots and lots of different things but yeah I had um I had lots of lots of issues when I was uh, yeah growing up and younger so yeah I mean I think you know it, it's become more and more apparent that Lots of young people are like that. I mean, we just had Mental Health Awareness Week, as you know. And, you know, um, I actually did a, an interview with the local counselling youth services. And, you know, it, it's surprising. Well, it's not surprising because when we were that age, nobody talked about it. Nobody, you know, it was just like stiff up a lip, off you got, you know, off you go, get on with it. You know, and now it's just so brilliant to see that people are actually addressing that with young people. You know, what could possibly be wrong with young people if they've had no serious tragedy in their lives, you know? So And it does and and I think for mental health issues and and feeling that you're that you're really your mental health is not right, I don't think you have to have had um any major issues. I, I mean a lot lots of young kids have had life experiences many many more than most adults have but there's those kids that 
that have got, you know, the, the eating disorders and the, they're feeling suicidal and there's nothing that the grown-ups around them can go, well, they've got nothing to worry about. But they, you, you don't necessarily know that because from wherever that person is, whatever life experiences they had, it, you know, some of these things can stem from when they were like two, three or four years old and it's just how their brain then has, has processed best things um so yeah for those kids i think i think they all yeah they all need the you know to be heard um and like i say it's you don't have to have had a big life event there doesn't have to be something big to attach it to forever earwigging what your mum and dad are saying or what you know what the grown-ups in your house are saying and then you hear half a story and you put the rest of it together yourself and suddenly you've got this oh my, oh my god this is happening and you've got completely the wrong end of the stick because you've been earwigging and they you know, everybody, everybody does it when they're kids, you want to see what's going on. Um, but you get the wrong end of the stick. So then you form your own beliefs and your own and, and how, how you things and how you say things, what actions you take, what decisions you take. Some of that can be based on complete misinformation. And it's not that child's fault. That's just part of growing up is is that's what happens. You you get you've got to work out what is good information and what is not good information. But uh, yeah, hearing half a conversation and making the, the rest up is is quite a common a common one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I completely get what you're saying. It's, it's very true. So I mean, this this book looks amazing. It really, really does. And I mean, obviously, you're going to be able to help a lot of people because you know, it's like, you know, people are constantly trying to work stuff out. And instead of trying to work stuff out, I mean, why not just keep promoting your core beliefs? So I mean, you know, you've had many different situations in your life have you know brought you to this moment of writing this book I mean you've also been involved haven't you with um hoarding disorders yeah so Joe Cook and myself Joe Cook's still a director of hoarding disorders we set that up I don't I don't if again I don't know how many years ago that was um but uh yeah and that was working with people in a hoarding disorder such a complex a complex issue um, and we found that, you know, using the EFT and, and the techniques that we, we were using works really well with um, things where people feel emotional about an object or a, or a, or a thing. So, yeah, the hoarding's fascinating. Um, and the people that you meet that have hoarding issues, it's just it's just so nice. It's such a privilege. They let you into their homes. They, you know, they, you get permission to sort of, you know, help them move their things around and move their things on. Um, but uh, you know they're the most fascinated. They've led the most fascinating lives. I don't think I've ever met a boring hoarder. I mean, their lives are just their background and where they've come from and what their life experiences are are just like phenomenal. So it's yeah, like I say, I don't think I don't think you can ever meet a boring hoarder because they're just of all, all led really fascinating uh, fascinating lives. Yeah, I mean. I, I completely yeah get where you're coming from I mean you know there's some some amazing collections of things I, I expect you discovered when you were doing that as well yeah, yeah and, and it's what people people put an emotional attachment to what what makes them you know um just as easy as somebody can turn to drink and drugs to make them feel safe if these people have sort of moved to you know keeping things around them and, and not being able to let them go it's that sense of loss um but you know as children we're all encouraged to collect things sticker books collect this collect these and you're encouraged to collect things um so you know it, it, it does make you wonder how much how much stems from sort of that that again that sort of programming of i must collect um you know i must i must collect these things in order to get a full set 
And of course, you never get, you know, if you're collecting empty yogurt cartons, you're never going to get a full set because it's just endless. You know, it's it's an endless collection. So, yeah. But again, core beliefs, core beliefs help massively with uh, with clearing, you know, clearing those things. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, you've, you know, had a very interesting career sort of surrounding mental health, really, haven't you? Yeah, I've, I've had a bit of a varied, varied career. Um, it's, yeah, sort of, yeah, with, with the um, hoarding disorders. Um, but years and years ago, I used to work for an educational charity. Um, and then I organised exhibitions at the NEC and Earls Court. Um, I've had just, and then I went from job to job. To, I, I never knew wanted, what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I sort of, an interesting opportunity would come up and I go, yeah, I'll give it a go. So I started. So I went from job to job. They're all interesting jobs. Um, I worked for Alton Towers with their hotels and conference centre for a while and um, as, a, as part of their remote sales team. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd have to get my CV out because I think there's about 19 different jobs so that they, <laughs> that they don't all spring to mind. But yeah, yeah sort of, I mean, my very, very first job was, um, was packing dog chews. You know, when you get a dog, a Christmas stocking for a dog yeah. and, you know, they've got those plastic things on that but you know you put your hand in to get the things out and they rip all your skin off your knuckles and while I was packing those so that you know as they're going into the packs there's you know you can feel it as well but um I remember that was one of my first jobs and I had, was amazed how many things were done by hand and I just thought I don't know what I want to do when I grow up but I couldn't I can't stay doing something like this forever I just couldn't I couldn't do it so it was a really nice experience I think I managed six weeks um but yeah I've had I've, in fact that's probably not my very first my very first job was selling bags of manure because we had horses at home and so it was selling bags of manure out by the gate post and pound a bag or whatever it was for people for the gardens but oh. uh, yeah that's not too much to do with well-being is it but um yeah I've had very <laughs> well-being of roses yeah but yeah I mean you you have had some interesting roles I get that you know with your dowsing and your hoarding disorders um and you've had also had some very real life experiences that have given you um a look at you know how stressful life can be you know and so this is obviously yeah I've had, uh, I've, I've put at the back of my book, I've put like, uh, I don't write, I write a little bit about my experience of, of depression in it, but I don't put too much about my own personal stuff. But then I put a little, I've, I've got a list there of, of the things. So it's like, of my own personal experiences, two marriages, two divorces, one relationship that ended after years of mental trauma. Oh yeah, 19 job changes, 19 house moves, obviously something around the number 19. That wasn't, <laughs> right, no more now, we've got to 19. Um, you know, you have deaths, lost relationships, damaging relationships, depression, births, postnatal depression. Um, I had um, three miscarriages and then you've got to deal with the grief and things. So all these things you can put and it's like one word to describe it. But each of the life events, when you're talking about that, it's like with the miscarriages, you. There's so much around that. It's the one word, but it holds so much. And for so many different people to have different experiences. Um, at the time when I had my two, the first two, there wasn't much sort of support and help available um, for the men, for the men that were in, in, you know, involved in those situations. Um, and, and that was something that was really difficult. Um, you know, you're going through it as a woman, but you need some support for, 
you know, for the dad as well. Um, and there was a real, at that time, there was a real lack of support. I think things are changing now. And I think, uh, you know, the, the dads are getting much more involved in terms of what support they need afterwards as well. Yeah, I think it's it's more widely accepted, isn't it? That actually men, and also I think, you know, in recent years, we've also realised as a society that, you know, um, the biggest killer of men under 45 is suicide. So, yeah, and that comes from not talking, doesn't it, really? So, um, well, and if, not and if entirely you... from not talking, but yeah, I mean, it plays but a if... part, doesn't it? And I think part, I mean, I know that a lot of men have used this book and, and what they've liked about it is the fact that you don't have to put things into words. So that is a major issue. It's a major block for a lot of people is that, well, I can't tell you what's wrong and I can't put it into words because I don't know. But when you start clearing, it's like going in through the back door and clearing the core beliefs out, everything starts to feel a bit clearer. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's, I think for men it is difficult because... And, and some women as well. I know when when I was obviously with my, I wasn't one for talking when I went for my uh, for my counselling, and I found it difficult to put things into words. And um and I didn't actually want to. I didn't want to even try. It was too much. My head was going to explode. I didn't even want to to do that. And also, I was frightened that if I started talking about it, I'd never stop, um, and that there would be nothing to to deal with it. It was like, but if I tell you, what are you going to do? It was like I needed to know what are you going to do when I tell you what, what what's going to make it better and but I didn't have those answers but but now sort of looking back um obviously I went through all those things and it's just it's just stood me in good stead for, for for you know for what I'm doing now and been able to help people with the mind your mind and that yeah you can do it yourself you know it's it's just it's easy you can you know you can do it yourself I mean that's effectively what this book does isn't it yeah as I said sorry that I haven't had the chance to read it all but you know what I have read of it I, I just thought well you know I could look through anything in here that you know I've experienced in my life and be able to to find a way of changing my core belief and moving on so I mean it can help anybody can't it with anything I mean you've got chapter six is is the emotions and your list of you know abandonment everything from joy to overjoy to everything really which is brilliant I think because you know it it's so what struck me about it is it's so simplified and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure it was, and the science bit, I've, I've read all the science and the complicated science bits and, and I've just put in the relevant bits that people need to know because unless you're interested, I've quoted what the books are, but unless you're interested in that, there's no point going and reading a real in-depth book on you know neuroscience if, if, if you don't need to. So it was the relevant bits for like the here and now for, yeah. And I tried to write it in, an, in a way that's easy to understand and just snippets. So that you you're not it's not heavy going I didn't want it to be a heavy going book um but the list of emotions is it's not every emotion and you know there might be some people that that have their own way of saying how they feel sometimes it might be a swear word when you feel very p you know a swear word which I'm what I won't say <laughs> so you might feel um you know I could just see asterisks and a few s's there so you you but if, if that's how you feel and that's the emotion that you feel that's what you would use in the words so the words that it's um it gives you at the back there if your emotion isn't in that list you just use how you feel you know um you know whether that's narky or you know whatever 
whatever that 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 word is that you use or you can even just say even though I feel like I'm feeling and then you hand it over to your subconscious I'm asking my subconscious to clear what it needs to clear because I don't want to feel like this anymore and it's clearing it out so you're giving it an instruction our subconscious won't do anything unless you ask it to so it's a bit of a hoarder itself it's a bit of a hoarder of all the information so in, you know in a snapshot when you're doing things it will take in all the information around you so if somebody's had an experience um and they might have had a um i don't know they might have had their handbag stolen in a shop when that handbag gets stolen their mind will take a snapshot of everything going around and in that shop there might be a mirror or a um you know a, a plant and whatever else might be in there your brain takes a snapshot of all of these things well the next time that person then sees a mirror that might even trigger the emotions that they felt when the handbag was snapped because your brain's taking in everything around you it's taking in a snapshot um so when people think i've got a fear of fish tanks i had a fear of plug holes i mean fear of clouds you can understand can't you but i had a fear of plug hole but so you it's people think oh think oh it's an irrational fear but sometimes it's just the way that your brain has snapshotted a situation and then that becomes um like a, a danger signal to you it's like well you know don't go near the mirror because last time you know you you got your handbag stolen so it's yeah you, you take this snapshot so your brain's just a hoarder of all that information so unless you ask it to let it go and you do that by talking out loud other people can put things in there with their voices you know words put it there so words can take it away but it's, it is important to talk to yourself yeah. people don't I think I'm a big one for talking to yourself <laughs> Oh, well, I think we all do. And I think, you know, the, the sooner that we kind of like own up to that, the better, you know, I mean, because, you know, you, you do talk to yourself, you know, I mean, it's like today, for example, I say, oh, you know, I've got a, a Zoom call with Amanda at whatever time. So I need to do this and I need to do that. And oh, we need to do, you know, and I need to sort this out. And, you know, and I'm constantly talking to myself inside my head. So... Yeah. Yeah. And if you say it out loud, it's even it's even it's even better. It's like if you go for a cup of tea with a friend, now we can. Um, you go for a cup of tea with a friend and you sat and you and it might be the first time in a long time that you've actually expressed how you've been feeling or what's been going on for the last few weeks, then suddenly you come away and you think, Oh yeah, I actually feel better about that. And it's because you've put it into words. When it's all stuck in your head and it's all getting jumbled up, it can grow much, much bigger than it than it needs to be. But saying it out loud, and sometimes you'll say something and you think, that sounds really stupid because you've said it out loud. Have you ever had that where you sort of, you just say something out loud and then it's like, actually that doesn't sound right at all. That sounds really stupid. But the yeah. act of saying it out loud, just, um, it, yeah, it makes a big, big difference yeah yeah no absolutely so i i will remember that amanda or i'll have to keep <laughs> saying it out loud more often gosh then, then everybody will be looking at me when i'm walking down the road won't they <laughs> well, my daughter says to me mummy are you talking to me or are you talking to yourself so i'll say no it's all right i'm, I'm talking to myself just now <laughs> so she she knows i'm muttering on but yeah <laughs> oh bless her bless her yeah so no, I, I think it is a really good thing. So well done on writing this book. As I said, it really looks like it will help a lot of people because you know that is what your sort of raison d'etre is, isn't it? Your your main sort of reason for doing this. 
Yeah, it's it's like I put in the front there that my mission is shiny happy people. So we want the uh, the shiny happy people to, uh, to to sort of yeah know that you can do, do something, um, and you don't have to do a lot. You don't have to sit there and do loads and loads. If you did, if you cleared one core belief a week, you know that is a lot. That, that what they're linked to just just is 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 an enormous. But let your subconscious hand it over to your subconscious. Don't worry about having to think everything through. Let your fast bit of your brain do it because it makes life so much easier. Fuse all your brain. So you say it out loud and then you just let this part, basically, the, the fast part, get on with it. So your conscious mind is saying it out loud. So you're consciously asking your subconscious to get rid of the stuff. And because it works at 400 billion bits per second, it does it. And it's, it's literally, you know, a few minutes, a few minutes to get rid of each one. Yeah. Okay. That, you don't have to keep doing it. You don't have to repeat it and repeat it. It's just, yeah, you just get rid of it. It's done. Yeah, I like that. I love that. <laughs> I think, you know, some things can, can really linger on, can't they? And I think, you know, that's where some therapies, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't like to because I'm not an expert and I wouldn't dare um, say what. I thought or you know perhaps didn't work but I don't think you can keep going over stuff because the more you keep going over it the more it's kind of there isn't it we well, have to take an action don't you? you have to say it out loud and it might be for some people saying their story is exactly the thing that they need to do so whereas you know some people don't and for this for mind your mind you don't have to say what your stories but for some people that's what's really important in part of their as as there for them to process it is that saying it out loud is is really important um, and telling you what their story is so some people will be experts at telling you their story about what's happened to them over the you know over the past years um, but if you get stuck in that story you, you need some sort of action to be able to get you out of it so that when you think back it's not you're not living you know you're not spending the next 10 years living that same story and that's the only thing you talk about it's that you need to be able to move on from it an action to reduce all the intensity around it so that it becomes a memory rather than what's going on right now for you yeah yeah definitely that sounds good so anyone wanting to buy this book where do they get it from so yeah you can get it on amazon waterstones um i think in the states it's barnes and noble the book depository all over there's there's yeah it's 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 all over yeah, no, well, brilliant. You know, well done you for writing this because I really do think it's an invaluable um, tool, you know, for people. So, um, yeah, so you can get it from there. And, you know, just thanks. So what next, you know, for you? What, what are you thinking about doing next? Well, I, I wrote a book a while back called Where Does Time Go? So I've updated that about digital well-being so it's a very it's a very short book because if, if you've got no time you've not got time to read a long book so this is like a very short book but gives you a quick exercise on how to deal with your time um and um and that's updated with the digital well-being because obviously that's come into into force a lot more recently um and then i'm going to also do my next book is mind their mind so i'm writing a handbook for parents and carers to show them how to use this in in words with children um, so things, so, you know, you, you get a child who has a core belief of I'm a naughty boy or they're told that they're naughty all the time or you're a little whatever, then they take that on board and, you know, it's, it's words that 
parents can do with a kid. So once the parents have worked out how to do it for themselves, the mind, their mind will be more, more kiddie, more kiddie language. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that sounds really good because, um, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it, as well? I think, you know, people just, um, especially children, I mean, it's so easy for somebody to influence their minds forever, basically, isn't it? That's why you need to be really careful as a parent. Yeah, I mean, you, you get, I, I got told as a child that, um, you know, well, you'd, um, you, you're, you're going to have this forever, you'll never get rid of it. Um, in terms of depression and things, it's like, well, you, you're always going to have it. And as a ch child, if a grown up tells you something, you take that as fact, because a grown up told you, you wouldn't question, mm. although probably some might do now, but you don't always question a grown up. Because when, when I was growing up, you didn't. So that was like answering back. It was it was bad manners to do that. So we, we didn't ever question them. But the same as an adult, if a doctor tells you something, then you you automatically, you know, you automatically believe what they say. And that can have a, an effect on how you think about things. Um, uh, and, you know, things things like anxiety and, and, and depression, um, a lot of the time, you know, the, people work can work through it. But it's like, well, this is how you manage it. You're going to get this. You're going to have these black dog days for the rest of your life. And this is this is how you've got to manage. You know, there are ways that you can manage it. But it's like, what if you know? What if they were told, well, you don't have to have these. That the, there are ways to, you know, to to get free. But unless you're curious, I think unless you're curious about asking, well, well, why? Why does it have to be that way? Um, and I think my nickname as a child was, but why? I think that's what I've got in common with Lorraine Kelly. I think hers was the same, but my, my nickname as a child was, but why? Because I would just question everything. It was, but why, but, but why, but why? Yeah. Why has it got to be like that, but why? So, and that's what I've continued to do. But if, you, if you're not curious and you're taking these things as facts, then yeah, the, you know, the kids will, well, we all do. I'm dealing with, you know, adults now in their thirties, forties and fifties, sixties, right up to the nineties where these core beliefs have come from childhood and they've, you know, they've achieved great things in their life, but they could have achieved, you know, it's, it's amazing what they could have achieved if they didn't have these limiting beliefs. Yeah. And it would have been a nicer experience for them because they wouldn't have been, you know, constantly battling with their own mind. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Clear them out. Clear them out. Clear them out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm definitely going to be doing a little bit of work myself. So anyway, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on Tea Time with me. So thank you, Ali, for having me. It's been great. Yeah. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on teatime at forthenow.co.uk or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Tea Time with AM. Bye for now. <laughs>